0: My name is Jan Welch, and welcome to part one of episode 20 of the Then and Outblading podcast featuring Jeremy Betal. Jeremy is a legendary artist behind brands such as 4x4, Heat, Intuition Skate Shop, The Come Down, Chroma, and many more brands over his long career in our sport. I talked to Jeremy about how he got into skating, we talked about his history, we talked about when we met. We talk about his artwork. We talk about filming with Brandon Negretti. We cover a lot of topics. It's a long interview, over three hours. So I've broken it into two parts. I've added a lot of visuals to go along with what we're talking about. So if you are listening to this on streaming podcast services, make sure and check out the video on YouTube to get all the references that we discuss. This video took a lot of time and a lot of work over a month to put together. So I hope you enjoy it. If you do, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel if you have not already, and hit the bell icon to be notified anytime I upload new videos, including part two of this interview. If you enjoyed the work I do through done and outblading, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. I have links to my Patreon page in the description below, as well as links to a donation page if you wanna support the channel that way. I also have links to my social media so you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This was started with part one of episode 20 of the Then and Now Blading podcast featuring Jeremy Beethoven. Can you hear me all right, Jung? Yeah, you sound fantastic. Oh, good. You look like you're in a Motley Crue video. Oh, you know me, man. <laughs> so, Jeremy, I want to thank yes. you for coming on my podcast, the Then and Now Blading podcast. Welcome. Thanks for the invitation, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, we've known each other for quite a long time. We met back in 2001 in area yeah. Pennsylvania at the skate park there during the Razor's Blitz Tour.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: What's your memories of that day?
1: Uh, that was a good one. Um, yeah, I uh, worked at the park and I set up a demo. Uh, to have the Blitz Tour. It was the Blitz Tour, correct?
0: Yeah, the Blitz Tour.
1: Yeah, um, that to come through. And uh, pretty much you guys showed up and I pretended like I didn't know who anybody was. <laughs> and um, the funny is, well, uh, John got to meet John, who was one of my favorite skaters. Um, and uh yeah i don't know i was just skating and um i ended up meeting you guys uh i guess you could say i kind of stood out in the park
0: if you remember that yeah you did you definitely stood out (laughs) (laughs) and you skated good
1: uh, oh thanks man thank you um yeah so john pulled me aside and he's like hey man would you want uh like a flow sponsorship for ground control so uh come on the bus and um you know we'll talk about it or whatever and of course i'm like you know super excited but trying to pretend like i'm just like yeah cool man all right and um so i get on the bus and uh i know we've shared this story before that was pretty funny of um charging shima for the casper shirt and remember uh, <laughs> um it was just uh Brian and John were like what's that shirt you're wearing and is that when I gave you the one that you have
0: yeah that's when you gave me the bomb shirt
1: okay okay man um that's wild but uh yeah so was talking to all you guys and uh Brian's like can I get one of those shirts I'm like yeah sure man so I go and grab one out of my buddy's trunk and um come back in I'm like yeah 20 bucks man. and you guys just all fucking your jaws dropped you're like dude you're charging shima sure um and he paid me and he was totally cool about it um but I think that kind of set the standard for our working relationship off the bat and that was kind of the idea of it because I I didn't want to uh have you guys think I'm some you know fan or whatever I wanted you guys take me seriously so that was kind of the idea there and um to have it work out that way that you know you guys dug the stuff and um everybody was super super cool. I remember playing uh Mike Johnson just whooping my ass at Street Fighter Two or whatever the fuck we had there. Um, that was a fun one, but uh, everything was great about that. And um, you know that was my first experience, pretty much meeting pros or hanging out with anybody. Um, so I lucked out right off the bat. And uh, from that meeting, John was like, uh, "Yeah, man, I like these designs, and um, we're thinking about starting a wheel company." Uh, do you do any art for anything? I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Sure. And um, that's where it started with the 4 by 4 thing was that from that meeting from the Blitz tour on the bus. So that was...
0: Uh, the start of uh, a, a very good uh, partnership with
1: you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, likewise. It was... Um, yeah, that and that was... I couldn't have asked for a better start, you know, so that was that was definitely cool.
0: I think I came up on top during that initial meeting, because I didn't pay for my Casper shirt. Yeah, you did. You fucked. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you owe me 20 bucks,
1: man.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> pay it forward.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Um, You know, at that skate park, they had that USA versus USSR hockey game, right? Yep. That thing was fun. Hockey.
1: Yeah, that thing. Yeah, I've been looking for one of those for a while. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah, they're hard to come by for sure.
0: I saw they remake them now, but they're like six grand new, and it's a little, little yeah, pricey. That,
1: yeah, I was backstage at um a Penguins game, and it was—I don't know if it was some kind of like shooting range for them or so. I don't know. I just kind of ended up in this room. And there's one just sitting back there, and I'm like, man, I could just load a van up back here and just open this garage door and grab this thing, man.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. But, yeah, it would. So. I wanted to go back to when you started skating like how did you get into it what was your first skates what was your Um, initial crew like
1: (laughs) uh me that was it but um uh so I started skating it's maybe 12 or 13 I think or maybe 11 um my dad got me a uh The same guy that owned the skate park, that opened the skate park in Erie, he had um, a skate shop that was right down the street from where that park was. And um, my dad did uh, tile work for him. And I played hockey since I was five. And uh, my dad's like, yeah, we'll get you some, you know, rollerblades to train for hockey over summer. And, um, at the time I skateboarded and, um, I was like, okay, yeah, hockey, I was, I was never really interested, but, um, so he got me a pair of lightnings in a trade, um, as far as the part of the payment. And, um, I got those things and they just kind of sat around and I didn't really do anything with them. And then, um, I'd roll around a little bit, maybe a parking lot or something like that, but that was it. And um, then the uh, MTV Sports New York special came out. And I remember seeing that, and that's when I was like, I'm going to rollerblade. Like, this is cool as hell. So uh, seeing Jack Lone and Ray and Ralston and those guys, um, I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. So... um i put rollerblades on and i just started kind of hopping off stuff like you know i didn't have videos or anything and um yeah i I was just getting into it so i think i actually taped that special off of a VCR. i probably have it still somewhere on a vhs tape but that was my skate video was that mtv sports special with the new york guys and uh i think arlo in the intro and uh I think it might be Tom Fry doing a backflip in that pool. I can't remember who else did that, but um, yeah, I studied that thing. So there was a college campus right up the street for me, and that's where I'd go every day and just skate. And um, a couple buddies of mine that I played hockey with kind of skated a little bit, but usually I was just by myself, and um, just kept doing that. Then a uh, few years into it, or maybe a couple years into it. I get word of some other guy across town that he's the, he's the good rollerblader. So you guys have to meet and compete. You guys have to battle. So that ends up being Baden who you've met, you know, and is notorious some in some way, in some circles of the industry. Um, but, you know, Chris and I were just like, oh, you skate every day too? So we'd end up, uh, we ended up negotiating a meeting space and probably skate maybe like between three and five miles to meet in a center, and then skate one direction, maybe toward, take turns towards my house or take turns towards his house, and then um, just skated all day. You know, we both had similar home lives, so uh, pretty much we could just do we could just skate all day, and um, that's all we did were you still
0: um, on lightnings at that
1: point no i went from lightnings then my next pair of skates was rosy streets then um i think so it would have been three years because then i think i got backyard bobs uh the green and cream ones k2s so i think that's around when i met chris and he had um the red fifth elements so we're like yeah cool cool skates, man. Like you're serious, you know, like these other guys have wreck skates, but yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I went from that. And then I got a pair of Thrones, uh, the Latimer Thrones. Latimer is like my favorite skater, probably still is. Um, but uh, especially back then, his Latimer is just insane. But um, anyway, uh, I got those. And then um, on a whim, I ended up getting the job at the skate park. So then I didn't have to, you know, I could work and pay wholesale price for skates. So I was set for skating. So that, that helped me out a lot to um, keep skating. Cause you know, all the skates that I mentioned are pretty low price point skates, you know so that was the access that I had to it uh, through, you know before getting sponsorships or anything like that or working at the skate park. So, um, getting a job there, uh, pretty much kept me, if I didn't get a job there, I don't know if I still would have been skating.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, you know, I don't think me the too. sport would be the same without you. <laughs> well, You've had a major it. influence on, you know, rollblading culture. You've pretty much shaped like a part of it in the past 20 years. i tried to, man. Yeah. What were your favorite skates to skate back in the day?
1: My favorite skates, um, it depended. Like, those streets, uh, those Rossi skates, the frames were super high, and I could never, I'm like, man, Royales are impossible. And um, I'm seeing guys skate and uh, get so low on everything, and I I also didn't understand my height difference between – a lot of guys, so my center of gravity is harder to get, and especially with the higher frames, I'm like, man, royals are impossible. Um, so I just do all soul tricks, and um, then uh, I got those backyard bobs, and I was like, oh, all right, it's the skates, so that I learned uh, backslides and royals in. Then once I kind of learned everything, um. The Latimer Thrones, those are my top skate. And then um, the UFS Thrones, those are those were my favorite skate. And then my last favorite skate was the Majestic 12, which I had never ridden before. But the plastic on those is my preferred plastic.
0: I love the Majestic 12s myself. A really good skate. Yeah. yeah. I read in an interview you did a past that you used to do skate instruction during summer camp at the yeah. skate park? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't really picture you as being a, a skate instructor. Tell me a little oh, bit about no. what you were doing. Uh
1: well did you look around that park at the uh, demo? Yeah. Um you could tell the kids that were from Erie. And then everybody else was in the gray sweatpant uniform. So all the uh, all the um, uh, kids from Erie they're like tight black pants black shirts you know um kind of they wear their waist size and they were just like normal kids you know um so i don't know i had those kids backs and uh uh especially being a rollerblader um you know what comes along with that kind of thing from everybody else but um uh I would kind of do my there you could tell the kids that really wanted to do it and then the kids that kind of had to be there and the kids that you know you can tell off the bat but um so how I learned to skate was I got a bar from a construction site and a cinder block and I had that in my driveway. And um I would skate before but then when I started getting really serious I would do this rule of 10. So I'd start with the front side. I'd have to do 10 front sides, um, then do a soul, have to do 10 souls. If I messed up on nine, I'd start over till I got 10 and then the tricks got more complicated. So that's how I taught myself stuff. So the kids that were serious about it, I would tell them that that's what I would do to get, you know, good or how, how I was uh, at the level that I was at the time teaching them. And then there are the kids that are just like, can you do a backflip? You can just go do a backflip for them. You know, There are those kids. But um, I don't know. I I like hanging out with kids. And I understand, um, uh, you know, what skating means to some people that, like to me, skating is my home. Uh, Like I, I have everything from skating and that's what it is. Like skating raised me. So there are some kids that are like that too. So I like to try to, or it was it was cool to kind of be an influence and be like yeah man you can take this concept of this trick and it's hard right now and then compare that to something you know that might be in life and just kind of try to guide them through that and using skating as an example or a guide to whatever they're dealing with you know and not have them have to talk about it but um they can work work it out maybe through skating as an option like
0: i did so that's really cool And then you had an influence on their style and their fashion.
1: Well, yeah, it it was cool. It was that, that whole group up there is really, really cool. And there are some of the guys that still skate and um, some of the kids that I taught, they're like, you know, growing up and married and have kids and um, they'll order the four by four reissues every now and then and stuff. And it's, you know, I'll send them a little piece of art or a note or something.
0: I want to go back to when we first met, obviously. We really liked your style because you know we were into kind of like rock, rock and roll style and punk rock and right, right. And you were even more that style than we were at that time. <laughs> uh, um, so you, know, that's one draw we really had to you. And your skating, and like, you had a big influence, I think, on everyone at Rat too. You know, was with, with art and style as well. So kind of maybe went both ways, but. Who influenced your style to begin with? Um,
1: so it's pretty much my hometown because it's, there's like a big, um, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, but when I was, I would skate in this park called Perry square in Erie. And that was kind of like my gym where I told you the, the 10 rule of 10 kind of thing. There was a handicap rail Um, it's the rail that I, um, if you've seen, uh, face the music, the Rosie's video, um, in the intro, I do that negative Machio through that kink to the right. That was like, my gym was that place. So, um, but also in that park, there's a bunch of, there was a coffee shop across the street and a pool hall uh, across the street on the other, like next to each other. And it was all just like gutter punk kids and junkies. And, you know, um, uh, so those guys would come out and, um, you know, I would ask those guys to buy me packs of cigarettes and they would, and they talk and sometimes they bring you a tape or tell you about a band. And, um, so that was kind of, you know, the music that I got into, but my main influence of, of almost everything I do is music. And, um, I was raised on, um, like, my dad was Barry White and Al Green. Like, those were his two favorites. And then my mom was, like, Led Zeppelin and Annie Lennox. So that's all I listened to, you know, that kind of stuff growing up. So um, then, man, it might have been eighth grade or something. Uh, Every Halloween, they would put on, um, on VH1, they would play Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I saw that and I knew about David Bowie and I knew about all this stuff, but I didn't really, I wasn't totally into it. And um, I saw that and I'm like, man, this is cool as hell. Like what, what, you know? And- um, I love that movie. Yeah, man, it's awesome. It's still great. And um, uh, so from there I went and bought a New York doll CD. That was maybe one of my first albums that I ever bought. And um, maybe 13. And it was the the self-titled first one. And um, also, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s and um, all the hair metal shit that was going on. Then I found their influences to it of, you know, Keith Richards and that kind of thing. And um, I'm like, these dudes are just, they just look cool as hell. So um, all of those things kind of mixing together. And then when I started kind of, Uh, finding the freedom in skating, I would skate to the mall and go buy albums and stuff like that. But um, uh, it went from New York Dolls, uh, David Bowie. In 99, they reissued all the David Bowie albums and uh, me and two other buddies, one of them had a license. We drive up to a media play and each, each of us took turns buying a Bowie album and burning it for the other two so after we exhausted all of the bowie albums i'm like man what else is you know what other bowie stuff is there and uh i looked at it i'm like man i heard he produced this album called raw power by the stooges i bought that fucking thing it was like a baptism man as soon as it starts it's search and destroy and i was like holy shit, that changed you know you see that in um a lot of the Casper stuff, I throw Stooges references in that. It's still my favorite band. Yeah, that's what I used in Forever Now is uh, No Fun by the Stooges. So without a direct answer, I guess, explaining all of those things, that's where everything kind of came from.
0: I got lucky. Me and John got to see the Stooges reunion show. When they played at Coachella. With uh, Williamson? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And um, that was really cool. It was kind of before Coachella got more you know, electronic or whatever happened with it. But that was a really cool show. That was the only day yeah. we went there for. It yeah. was rad. And I saw, and then I went to see New York Dolls with Micah had- uh, Oh, yeah. It was like Sylvain Sylvain and David Johansson and then one of the guys from Hanoi Rocks. Um, and it was like the son of, the drummer was like the son of somebody, maybe the old drummer. Okay. It was pretty cool. It was a pretty good show. He never paid me back for the ticket, but you know. Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, and then skating, who was your biggest influences in your skating? Um, so yeah, Jack Lone was my first
1: favorite skater. I'm like, man, that guy's that guy's cool as hell and doing Misty Flips and whatnot. Um you know what he had like the wings on his helmet and whatnot in the X games and everything. Um that was my other skating video was uh, all the e s p n stuff, which you know we we know how that went but um uh, you know that's another thing that got me into skating and wasn't being able to see those contests and um, but uh, trying to think here, Jacqueline was my first favorite guy then um Latimer but then um i think john's section in brain fear gone that's the one to um pink floyd right
0: yeah pink floyd
1: yeah yeah i I was uh i was like okay that was the first section i'd seen with john and um i'd seen pictures of him in you know daily breads or something like that but uh yeah that that section was really influential and i was like oh you know, I've had some of these ideas, but I didn't think you were allowed to do them, you know, so that section and, you know, a lot of stuff Brian did too, just in general, but again, going back to Latimer, sort of more outside of the box um, skating, you know, and trying to push things. uh, And it really progressed, you know, skating a lot. It's cool to see a, you know, 360 topsoil down a handrail, but, you know, I, th- I find it more interesting to, especially, again, being where I'm from, we don't have perfect handrails, you know, it's it's pretty rough terrain, so you have to be creative, so um, all of their skating really lended itself well to my situation um, for skate spots, so uh, I'd say those three are the, well, Latimer and Elliot especially, the, um, those were probably the biggest influences, but um yeah yeah
0: i'd say that so you didn't have a lot of people skate with in erie where did you travel at all to skate any other cities in the region or um if i played hockey
1: if i had a hockey game or tournament um i think i went to changa world twice chicago uh, uh, cleveland
0: oh cleveland okay
1: and um actually came to Pittsburgh to Shady Skates for a USD demo, man, maybe 98 or 99, I'm trying to remember, maybe 2000. Um, and I wanted to see Latimer, but I get, he was hurt, but um, I think Julio skate, Julio might've been the only one who wasn't hurt and he skated with everybody and John was, John was cool. Um, that was a funny, whenever i go to other skate parks, Man, it was, I get called a lot of names by everybody uh, but skateboarders and bikers. Um, And then I remember being at that demo and I'm like, whatever, I might fight this kid or, you know, it's stupid, you know, you're mad. And um, then Julio started kind of clapping when I do stuff. And then the kids were like, oh, maybe this guy's all right. You know, like, so stupid, you know, but. I remember that um, that really well. So until people started driving or we were old enough to drive or anything like that, it was just pretty much just an eerie.
0: And then how did was- you start getting your name out to where you met people, like when out to California, when you started filming with Brandon Negretti, like how did all that stuff happen?
1: Man, um, so <clears throat> the main thing, so there were little things. I I went to a few parks If you know, I had a friend that was old enough to drive or someone's mom would take us to parks, but, you know, it was very few and far between. But the main thing was um, Bitter Cold Showdown. <clears throat> uh, maybe 2000, I think it was a little bit after I was talking to you guys and I met uh, the Rejects guys. I met Dunkel and Engler in Ohio. And um, Charles had known about the Casper stuff. And he's like, Hey man, I really like your stuff. Cause he was on the blitz tour, you know, but we didn't talk that much um, then. And uh, yeah, in Ohio we started talking and we were hanging out and, you know, uh, just bullshitting and um, Charles and Sean were like, we're, we're coming to Erie. We like how you guys skate. And, uh, we want to see what, what is up there. And, um, so they came up and filmed some stuff for Charles and uh, that, um, Sean filmed some stuff of of me. That's a whole other story. I have like a, a ghost section with Rejects and their system crash and it's all gone. And um, it's a bummer. But um, uh, so Charles and the Rejects guys, so they started, I would either fly down there, Wes would help me get down there. And I'd film with those guys and that started a thing. And um, then what, I'd come out with you guys and I think I was in a life plus there and a couple tricks and that just kind of started going. And then um, I can't remember what it was for. If it was an ASR, it might've been an ASR that um, I met Brandon Engler, I think was like, I can't remember how exactly it happened, but, um, or maybe Micah was friends with Brandon. I can't remember, but he was, he came into the the hotel room that we were staying in and Sean said to Brandon, you got to check out this dude skating. And that's when Brandon had already started planning forever. Now he's like, you gotta be, you gotta be in the video. So, um, it was pretty much through just the rejects guys. Those are the only people. And we'd go up to Rochester every now and then um or I remember going up to Rochester every now or a couple times and um skating with that crew up there but uh you know go do a stupid before I broke my jaw when I was 18 so before I broke it skating so before that I was doing trying to find the biggest set of stairs jumping off roofs and doing weird you know, stupid stunts and stuff like that. After I broke my jaw, I was like, I think I'm going to get into more manuals and stuff like that and kind of relax. So I couldn't do anything. So every time you hit the, you'll the, where it's broken shifting around. So um, that was a big influence on changing up my my skating style. And then the industry sort of seemed to catch it. There were a few of us out there doing that. and The industry seemed to catch up and uh, Brandon had the foresight to, capture that uh in that video and um that was a really cool video outside of my bias i think that's a really important video for skating because it sort of showed people that you don't have to be look this way to have to be a rollerblader you can and now right now uh, i think one of the effects that video has had is that we have more options in the type of skater that there is than ever you know so we've progressed and uh that video came out and people were pissed off and you know, the conservative rollerblader style people, you know, everybody hated that thing. Um, I can't remember if it was before that or after that, someone wrote in a Daily Bread uh, something not very favorable about that type of skater and they had made an illustration of like a silhouette with long hair and then a Casper t-shirt and then little skinny things and was comparing them or using uh, derogatory terms to it. and that's within your industry you know so people just don't people don't like change man they don't like anything different but now you can see what it's done and you know we're more appealing to outside of the industry than we've ever been if we don't progress what do you know and don't bring new people into the sport it's just going to die
0: yeah, yeah so no, for sure i mean that video was definitely crucial in you know changing the future of the sport you know along with your artwork and the you know, things we did ratel and those and the rejects guys like yeah was... know, all of that uh had a big impact on the future of the sport and like the music that people listen to
1: oh man that would drive me nuts man <laughs> i'd get in the car and like say i'm a uh you know going to um out of town or i'm riding in a car with somebody else i just think that thing so i can understand it um but to have the only music you listen to is the stuff in rollerblading videos i think that's so weird man i just that's that's the only thing you you don't even listen to the artist and go try to find their other stuff. Maybe it's easier now because of Spotify and and things like that. But back then it's like, Oh, what album is this from? Like, I don't know. It was was in this video with this section it it played for three seconds. So I put it on the the mix and here's the whole song. And you know, the, the next four minutes of the song could just be screaming, but because it was in a skating video, it's on this mix and we're listening to it. And that, I don't know. I know there are those songs that, it's like, man, I'd love to do an edit to this. I'd love to skate to this, that section. i love that section. That's cool. But to have it be the only thing that you listen to, I think that's such, that's so odd, man. It's just so Yeah, weird. you know,
0: it's, uh, I mean, it was different for a lot of people. I mean, some people listen to music yeah. and then discover new music based off of it. Yeah, right, right. And then there's right. the people that only listen to the songs and videos, like you said, or there's people who know every single name of every song in a video and the skater to them, which is cool. Yeah. I, I can't remember anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh in Forever Now, your footage. Who filmed that all? Was that Negretti or was that that's all by... Negretti.
1: That's all Negretti. Um yeah, we uh I, I think I hadn't skated in like eight months or something. And um because at the at that time that's when I started trying to get into painting and um getting more into fine art. Uh, instead of just the illustration stuff and grab and design so i just kind of went full bore into that and i didn't skate forever and um finally brandon and i it might have been a year over a year i think since we had met in san diego and um skating with sean and charles and um like mark sen and um trace those were Every time I'd go to those, I wanted to skate. Then when I wouldn't be around, I got like really spoiled skating with those guys because I would actually get excited to do stuff. And then when I wasn't there, I was just kind of like, I didn't even feel like skating. You know, it was just the infighting and gossip. I don't, you know, with those guys, it was just, you go skate, you know, work on stuff, have ideas, talk about art and music, you know, and then go to the bar. You know, and then do the same. Do it all. You know, during the whole trip. Um, that's pretty much how I live. So it worked out really well. Um, I didn't really get along with a lot of other uh, <laughs> people, other than other than the rejects guys. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Wait, where am I going with this, Jan? Get me back on track. So um yeah, Brandon um so I hadn't skated in, in a long in a while, not consistently. And uh Brandon saw the footage and we finally sorted everything out. And then Brandon f- flew me out to California and I think I was five days there, and then he flew out to Erie and spent five days. So that thing was filmed in 10 days. Um It was a bit daunting to do the whole section in 10 days um especially not really after a break like that you know um but uh yeah brandon had a a, you know not to sound whatever but you know he had a vision with that that project and it you know he did a really good job i miss that guy brandon was cool
0: great guy and it's you know he's a, a very sad loss losing him in the sport for the industry and everything. Absolutely. There was a video that came out around the same time that I thought had clips that was supposed to be in forever. Now physical phenomenon from Rochester.
1: Oh no. Um, that was Torres. Yeah. When I said we, um, made a couple trips up to Rochester. Yeah. It was Torres and Tim Adams and, um, uh, Jen Hashman and, uh, Man, Her brother, I can't remember his first name right now. Um, but that whole crew, they were really great. And uh, Torres came to, or no, I think I went up to Rochester. And yeah, Mike filmed that stuff.
0: You got some good clips in there.
1: I forgot about that, man, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple clips in there. There's one that, uh, yeah, that that's one of those ones that haunts me because I couldn't land this trick that I wanted to put in a video and it was like it was a set of three stairs that were at a 90 degree angle so there weren't railings or anything so it was like you know the stairs like that and it was a half cab heel roll to heel roll down the stairs to 180 out I was like I gotta get a clip of this I got and I just fucking couldn't do it that that thing would have been insane to get that on film but yeah that one still haunts me man i couldn't land that that day and that was the only day they were there such a bummer
0: those guys that was in rochester you said
1: yeah that was in rochester like the toe roll down the
0: kinky
1: yeah i think i actually i think i tapped on that too and mike's like i don't think you tapped like he was like no it was close yeah but i think i tapped on it i'm pretty sure
0: yeah i always drive through rochester area on the way to columbus and then i stopped at your house yeah on the way back home yeah the past two times i went to columbus i stopped and visited jeremy and yeah. visited his house that he's in right now in studio yeah. <laughs> i wanted to ask you about Sifika. now it was rumored that you were supposed to have a Sifika pro show i did
1: here one second this
0: that's the pro betol Sifika shoe
1: yeah and how did that
0: come about oh yeah super cool yeah this thing was rad man
1: there's like a whole wallpaper
0: pattern inside and
1: the insole is like this dead dude in a coffin it was really cool
0: and you did the art for that
1: yeah like full design based off of their uh their high top template But um, yeah, I worked with them on an art, like a one-off art project, man. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, um, they were just like totally, total artistic freedom, do whatever you want. So I did a few shirts and um, that was, that was a really cool project, but I think it, it just lasted for that one line. And I don't think it was skating. I think it was just kind of a an art project, fashion brand kind of thing. And then um, I'm not sure if that happened after or before the shoe, but um, yeah, they just hit me up about uh, talking about my stuff with 4x4 and through the industry and then um, a little bit of skating stuff and um I think it may have only gotten released in Europe or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what happened, but uh, I think I talked to someone, Boris uh, Geisner in Russia, you know Boris?
0: Yeah, I know Boris.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think they wrote, man, they were trying to track a pair of shoes down. They were showing me that they were sold out in the shops in Russia. So I don't know if they ever made it to the States. They were a really limited release. It's a crazy thing to get yeah i want a brand new pair i wore them around and um yeah I, if anybody has those uh, i'd like to know about it
0: that's the first time i've seen them Yeah, you know i've heard about them but never yeah. seen them before it was super rad. Yeah, it
1: was, yeah it was wild and the, um yeah it was a really cool project and that that company is really cool i'd love to to do something like that again it, it was uh I was like, well, what about this? And they're like, yeah, we can do that. And also that was um, a really cool lesson on manufacturing because I was dealing directly with uh, the company in China that was making them and uh, dealing with um, Germany that was distributing them. So that was a really cool crash course in um, you know, industry, stuff, so numbers and, and things like that. And, and uh, you know, we had to, I was trying to like invent this way for them to print the soul. So it's hard to see, you know, you, you won't be able to see it on that, but I wanted this blood splatter on the soul, but I wanted it to be made and pressed in the soul. Like how, um, from what I read and understood it, it was pressed and um it's kind of similar to how linoleum's made so i'm like if you have pellets
0: oh no hello all right at tip number three there we go yeah i don't know what happened that time you're writing a story talking about the soul of the civica shoes with linoleum and some pellets and that's what yeah, i lost yeah. you
1: yeah um so yeah we're trying to um I was trying to come up with an idea that um, if you had these, if they had pellets of the rubber that, um, because I think I researched it in some of the, if you have a color, it'll come in pellets instead of sheets. And I was asking them about it, and uh, they're like, yeah, we have that. And uh, um, so I'm like, can you dump some of the pellets in with the gray, and then when it gets pressed, you'll have this blood splatter, and here's the Pantone, and and all that and um, they said they had it but what they ended up doing was cutting out little triangles of sheets of the rubber it didn't look good at all (laughs) it looked it looked wild but um so we settled on this uh screen printed blood effect which is kind of cool but it was wild to have as many options as there were and there's a lot of um there's a lot of cool subtle details that are in it like the like one gold eyelet on it and it's it was definitely cool it'd be cool to i don't even know if there's a i might have good pictures of it that were supposed to be for ads but um i'll have to find those if i can track those i'll send them to you and we can edit it in
0: maybe with those other
1: pictures i send you okay all right i might have them somewhere but yeah I i don't know what happened and they ended up seemingly in europe and um uh, yeah, Russia, and I, I don't. I just don't think they made it to the states. I'm not sure. And if they did, it was really limited quantity.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't we know. had that ground control shoe that came out in Europe only. We never even saw it in person, but it wasn't. Yeah, that, it, it wasn't it was nearly as cool as that shoe okay. that you had. It was more like yeah. a, like a, like a Vans type of shoe. You know, mm-hmm.
1: I think I remember seeing that at the Rat sale office. That you showed me the design or something or yeah told me about it yeah yeah it was just
0: kind of more of a generic shoe the civica shoe is a lot more well designed than yeah the there's a one.
1: Lot, yeah there's a lot going on it, yeah yours were kind of like bobo's if i remember right i want to do i want to do something like that at some point too just some fucking simple bobo jail shoes
0: you know cheap cheap things that's exactly what they were who are yeah. you working with at civica for this project was it,
1: uh, oh my God, I can't remember his name right now. Anton? No. Oh my God. Kennedy?
0: Was it Kennedy Pointer? Yeah, Pointer. Because it was Pointer okay. Shoes that did um, Pacifica.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he so was, was from Australia, wasn't he? Or?
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah i almost said anton kennedy it was that's not the right guy um
0: yeah, but, uh, no, anton kennedy is a skater from uh, portland
1: yeah right right i almost said, <laughs> I almost said anton kennedy but it was uh, yeah no, that's not it <laughs> but um uh yeah it, yeah it was it was uh pointer there and um it just wrote me kind of out of the blue and then we I think the shoe was the first thing then I think those other shirts were later actually if you have a second I can go grab one of the shirts I have I just found it
0: recently yeah let's see it it,
1: it was Eschy.
0: oh I don't even remember that
1: yeah it was uh, I don't even know if it was a skating thing um I think it was just kind of a uh yeah their tagline is life art and denim so okay. I think it was, it was just a one-off kind of uh, fashion brand. And uh, that's the one, did you ever see the shirt where it's it's the big, crudely drawn David Bowie? No. That's one of them I did. I wish I had that shirt. I don't think I got one. Maybe I do now that I'm thinking of it. if I, If I find it, I'll send you a picture. But it was just like these gnarly,
0: Designed, oh, yeah. oh, that's really like,
1: cool from it's, my a dracula? Yeah, it's a dracula and it says suck 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 on it and uh it's black on black and they did a purple one too that was really cool but um yeah it was it was a it was a really cool company um but i don't think it went anywhere after this i'm not sure though oh yeah and there's there's a story about me in the collar i didn't know that so I guess there's something explaining me <laughs> what the, That's what the army. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a cool art project, but I don't know what happened after that.
0: How did that project come about What that was with, with Pointer as well? Yeah, this was Pointer as well. So,
1: um, I think he just complimented me or, or something. I can't remember. He emailed me. Um, just saying like, I really like this stuff. And, um, I think that's how it happened I'm not sure I might have wrote him and said I like what you're doing I don't don't even remember um but then we just got to going back and forth and it was like it'd be cool to do something with you and um I think he, he said something about the you know skating stuff and yeah it just came together and he's like yeah man it'd be cool to do a shoe with you so we ended up doing that and yeah
0: it ended up coming out cool but Extremely rare. It's crazy how there was that period in Royal wedding where there was all these shoe brands, you know, like JUG and Sifika, and you know, Pornier. yeah, I know, right? But the Sifika ones were definitely the best quality out of all of them, in my opinion. Were they? I never and, saw. Any and, any yeah, they looked good. Okay.
1: Yeah, but, I never saw any of the jugs in person.
0: Yeah, the jugs were, you know, not as cool as the Sifikas.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, the Sifikas
0: were way cooler. Um. I want to ask you, well, I wanted to go to Caspa. Now, Caspa yeah. is your, your brand. You started it. Correct. You and, and started around, like, 2001-ish? Um, the first stuff, so
1: that shirt you have, shit, where did I put my lighter? Um, Give me a second, you know? I put my stuff. All ah, right, there we go. Yeah, so... Uh, we uh, pretty much the crew of two people of uh, me and Chris that I mentioned earlier. Um, Chris Baden um, were like, yeah, we're gonna have a, a crew because of the skateboarders that we we you skated with skateboarders the older older guys and they uh, they liked us and um, we didn't have any problems with them at all because we were just like these dirtbag kids. You know, so they just, you know, we didn't have really any, We they knew that we were just out there to skate, you know. And um, so they had crews and we're like, all right, we're going to make a crew or whatever. And um, I made up the name and uh, we just kind of went from there. And that was probably 96. Um, and then... I think 98 is when i actually made shirts and i think that's that bomb shirt and then i've been making stuff since so we might be the oldest the longest running independent company in roller skating,
0: which is kind of funny it's possible did you continue um, making casper shirts the entire time or did you take a period a break at all in between um i make
1: i make them when i I want a shirt that I want to wear.
0: Okay. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, um, whenever that happens, I make it. So it might go a year. It might go two years, but as long as I'm alive, it's going to be going.
0: Of all the shirts you've designed for other brands, how many of those graphics do you not want to wear?
1: It's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I try to keep it to that standard of, of something that, you can only work with so much, you know, it's, there might be a crew that uses a hippopotamus as their logo and I'll draw some gnarly hippopotamus, but I don't wanna wear a shirt with a hippopotamus on it, you know, so it happens, you know, but I try to keep it to the standard of, I'm not that greedy about it where I'll just do whatever, you know, anybody, I, I have my input and if we don't like it, we'll, you know, cut ties on the project but um i always try to put the standard into it of whether or not it's up to par with something that because some people you might be surprised think they have really great ideas and um they they, uh you know sometimes they're out of date sometimes it's an inside joke that no one gets and it's like okay man you're gonna waste a grand on this because no one's gonna get what this is
0: that's not surprising
1: you know, so you—it's you, just be honest with them, you know. And it, it's—you know—I've been doing this for twenty years, so I guess it hasn't gone awry yet of having that policy.
0: Well, within blading, I mean, you've done—I mean, just for four by four, you did so many shirts. You know, forty oh, like something shirts. Yeah. And with Caspa, I mean, there's got to be like what close to a hundred blading related shirts you've done throughout the years.
1: Oh man, probably yeah.
0: Do you yeah, have. Probably- most of those maybe more what's that Do do you have them all
1: no no i've uh um a lot of the stuff i gave away to kids um or other skaters that uh if i meet them and i find or they find out that i did the shirt or whatever and they're like oh i've been looking for that shirt forever i'm like here you go man like you know so it's more important to them I already drew the thing, you know, it's um, some of the four by four ones I've held on to, but a lot of, a lot of them, uh, you know, people were before the the reissue thing, um, the reissue project that started recently, um, you know, you couldn't get them anywhere. And still that's a lot of shirts that I've done. So it's gonna take years for me to reissue those, you know, so, um, but for people to have the originals you know, I, I think it's a lot cooler to make them happy than for me to, you know, hold on to it. it you know, I already did it.
0: What was your inspiration behind Caspa? The name, it's kind of a cult graphics, same with, you know, some of the 4x4 stuff you did. Like, yeah. how did you come up with the idea or the influence of the style that you went with Caspa into some uh, of the stuff you did with 4x4? Um,
1: Catholic school? <laughs> Great answer. Um, But, uh, you know, between and and the stuff that I was talking about with all the music influences and whatnot, and uh, Casper is completely all the musical or the music influence. um, Or there are a lot of references in it. Like, um, so, like I, I was talking about with the the bomb logo how that started and then uh i think there was an influence there with um some of the writer crew guys that were around when we were kids skating and uh, you know i thought that was cool and then that bomb squad uh skate came out and i'm like up oh, can't use this um then the heart and lightning bolt and that was influenced by the uh, johnny thunders and the heartbreakers so I'm like cool we'll have that logo and um, then I'm using the Stooges raw power and um, uh, in search and destroy and with that logo and um, and that's still the official kind of icon our logo is really that illustration of the uh, the bat with the moth that's kind of the flag for the company um, that that metaphor uh, is still what the idea of the company's about but um it's not even a company, it's, it's you know a, a, pro, a art project really, and um, a rallying sort of thing. But, um, uh, so there's the Heartbreakers thing to go back to that. So one of the logos, or not logos, but one of the phrases with the uh, cast was L-I-T-D. I liked the L-A-M-F from the Heartbreakers. I had the Alice Cooper album, Love it to Death. LITD replaces LEMF. Now we have our own thing. Um, so all the Casper stuff was, that imagery was um, more influenced by seeing pictures of um, CBGBs or kind of 70s punk rock scene sort of thing where you have this sort of icon, not, a, not an not as much of an illustration, but sort of this icon symbol, like you'd see um, that late 70s kind of fashion of um, just bold things on, like there's a cool picture of Debbie Harry with the camp Funtime shirt on, which I'm still trying to track down, but there are all these iconic things or uh, Richard Hell painting the triangles on the shirt and they're all iconic to each character. So that was kind of the idea with Casper is to make bold, Um, iconic each Casper shirt is designed from an aspect of it being a flag uh in a way of how the design is I guess that kind of makes sense each one
0: yeah yeah. Um, that's really cool
1: and uh thanks man and um a funny thing was was at the time printers were only doing well in my area they were only doing like 14 by 17 screens so everything was they could only do this you know, the really small chest area. Um, so that he, that Eagle shirt I sent you with the pentagram, the Casper one, um, that one had to be printed, I think in two screens, cause they couldn't print it large enough. So I paid for a two color screen just to make it big enough. So you could see it like how you're seeing your shirt. Which so, is one um, of
0: your shirts. The come exactly, down yeah, shirt yeah right. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, move it aside. Wait, yeah, <laughs> the hall shirt for the come down.
1: Yeah, yeah, those uh, those guys are great to work with. Um, but uh, yeah. So even with even with ground or uh, I'm sorry, four by four. Um, I remember we couldn't print a lot of the shirts the way that they were supposed to be printed. Like printing wasn't caught up to the art yet. And I remember being a kid, and this kind of goes into another answer, part of an answer to your question um so I read uh I like comic books a lot I like the art in comics and I taught myself how to draw from those from covers I'd never really read them I just used them to learn how to draw and um but there'd be these ads in there for these like in 92 93 of Wolverine full front or like Venom and they're ripping through the shirt so I thought you could just get shirts made like that you know, so getting into art, I'm like, yeah, I need the full thing covered. They're like, we don't do that. You know, it's that's, that's impossible. I'm like, oh shit. So, um, even the latest reissue of the, uh, John's priest graphic was like that big on the shirt, you know? So it's cool now that, that screen printing has caught up to being able to do fill orders of, of larger prints to print it the way that it was meant to be with the uh, reissue. So it's really cool doing that and to see it you know, uh, cover a lot of the front area like that. Because my idea is if you can't tell the aesthetic from across the street, then, you know, what's the point?
0: Well, that's one thing working with you with 4 by 4 you didn't just design the art and send it, you also set the specifications on how it should be printed, you know, what inks to use. You know, some of them had water-based inks, there was sublimation, you know. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Like you did your homework and a lot of research went behind every graphic so yeah right right that was all that was really cool
1: yeah the the, another it's one thing to put a design on a shirt but then you you have to think of especially in skating how that shirt's going to move you know on the person so uh and getting kind of a a mannequin in your head or a silhouette of where that art is going to lie on the shirt so Um, a lot of it, you know, with the designs and why you can see and read them so easily is perf, is, uh, I'm sorry, positioning. Um, and it's laid out that if you're skating towards a gap, it's draping across your body, you can read it. You know, it's not just a big mess and you kind of maybe saw it in a catalog. Even if, if you're skating or you see it in the catalog, you see the thing the same way, you know, so it's, it's, uh it's a living thing you know it's not just a product you know so that's ideally the idea trying to approach with each project with uh, especially with uh textile
0: and with the reissues you've mm-hmm. been having some problems obviously with covid and oh, production did... time i know that last run took quite a while to get Forever. made right
1: yeah the um there was a uh, the blanks they couldn't get the blanks in and they're the same blank shirt that i have printed on for years and they just couldn't get them in um and also the run before that this last one i just got them out and i was scheduled to have them by december 15th and they just got here a couple weeks ago so um yeah it's definitely been problematic and it's been throughout everybody know everybody's having trouble with it but so it's been really difficult to keep a schedule but um i try to keep in touch with everybody and let everybody know and and posts on instagram or facebook and uh keep everybody in the loop and answer everybody's questions and, and things like that because yeah the one the last one it took forever it was so bad um i ended up making um uh block prints an original piece of art signed for each person that, that ordered a shirt because oh, wow. yeah so that's,
0: I ended up, that's you know, worth waiting for it
1: yeah yeah it's uh, I nobody said thank you either um <laughs> um but uh it was like a hundred and something of these prints I had to do and uh yeah it, it was but they ordered it and it took forever. I just, uh, you know, I wanted to give them something to show that I appreciated their patience. So thank you to everybody with that and just supporting the project in general to everybody. So
0: and how's the demand you. been for the reissue shirts you've been doing? How's demand been? Yeah, like, is it what you expected?
1: Um, it's about what I expected. It's um, it's not, We we haven't gotten any coverage from anybody. This is the first time it's mentioned Um, so I don't know if the people that are, maybe the people that are doing a lot of this stuff aren't, or maybe too young to remember this stuff. I'm not sure. But, um, without the coverage, um, it's still a pretty good amount of orders. And, um, uh, that all goes right back into making more, keeping the, the thing going and, uh, going into CASPA too. So, um, it's a lot of like core people that are buying it. And it's really cool to see the people that are getting it and they really appreciate it. So as long as it's getting to those people, I couldn't care less if the sales go higher. Doesn't matter.
0: So for people who aren't familiar with what you're doing, you've been reissuing some of your 4x4 graphics on t-shirts and you've been doing two graphics at a time, limited run, and people have to pre-order them. Is that right? Correct. And anything else like people should know about are you gonna be um, doing a new run? You have you decided what shirts you're gonna be doing next?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I'll probably release that or let people know, open the pre-order for those the next two, next month or March. Um so heads up on that. But um yeah, it's just gonna it, it's just gonna go, you know. Some are from different lines, but I'm trying to go somewhat in a chronological order, but it's not accurate. It's some go together and some don't. So trying to put two together, like the, uh, the Ye Be Warned and the Cheers shirt, those came out, I think on separate lines, but those two are really cool together and people like those two a lot. So I released those at the same time. Um, the Half East Smoke and Mirrors one and the Elliot Priest, those came out together but those came out before the eb warned and the cheers one so i'm just kind of pairing them um, as i think they go together well in my head from from
0: my favorite 4x4 graphic which i have i I was looking at my closet for that casper shirt i know i have it i think i stuck in a box though but i had Uh, like five of those the um the greaser frankenstein guy i forgot the name of that graphic
1: yeah yeah um shit yeah yeah yeah. that's
0: my favorite that's one of my favorite graphics ever I had that on a hoodie you know I had it on I have it on t-shirts like I love that graphic
1: thanks man yeah that one was cool and that one was kind of um yeah that one was sort of a jump into me working in a little bit of a different style. I think I I started experimenting with um drawing in charcoal and pencil on paper and then spray fixing it and then scanning it. So you get this weird texture, but it was kind of detailed. And I think a lot of the texture was lost in the the pressure from the screen printing. But um, the way the process that that one was laid out, that was like the first one I did sort of in uh, chunks instead of one drawing all at once. And oh yeah, speaking of um, the Cheers shirt, one of the pictures I sent you is um, how that shirt was originally drawn. That was me drunk, just drawing with a, a buddy of mine and um, it's actually a guy with the like martini glass on a riding an elephant, and then you see me starting to think about the elephants coming together and making four by four and that's all illustrated on that page so that would be a. Uh, cool one to maybe edit in right now when you do that people people asked about the process or whatever uh, of how things are done and yeah those pictures that I sent are the the start of everything and I put a a quarter next to it for scale so they're just tiny little thumbnails and that's how each graphic starts is a small little sketch like that and um, it's kind of like a bookmark and once I sketch that thing out it's I can see it so I can go back to it whenever but it always starts with that thumbnail and then it's hashed out from that so one of the ones too that's in there I think people will recognize them but um the one that I think is the funniest is the Henderson one if you saw that and if you noticed that one in the uh pictures yeah the
0: yeah I saw that there was a few yeah. that I didn't recognize too but there was a it was really cool seeing that process it's kind of like the the book I want to find at your state so
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's hold on. I brought them out here just, but yeah, they all start in these guys. So I have maybe like six of these, just little mole skins, and they're just, you know, and they're just full of, uh, Find a book on some kind of symbols or whatever, and I just copy it down in the book so then I can reference it whenever. So yeah, that's uh, a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, I
0: don't. Know. So when you were doing a four by four shirts, you would start in a sketchbook doing a little graphic, and then what went on? You know, after you decided what you liked, what did you do next?
1: Um, sit down and draw it. And uh, also I have to admit, I have no training in any of this stuff. So uh, I was learning as I was going with four by four. So pretty much the, um, everything's penciled out, inked and then um, scanned in. And I pretty much taught myself Photoshop. Still in Photoshop, I only use like four things. You know, it's just, it all matters with the the drawing. If you don't, if you have a weak drawing, it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna work. So it doesn't matter anyway, but uh, um, the computer and, and Photoshop, those are just, those should be tools in my opinion, not make or break your work, you know? It's like, you could, you, know, you could use, a, you know, Dirt and some beer and make an ink out of that, but if you have a pen with ink, you, you should use that you know but it's still just full cool. you have to be able to know how to wield you know the the instrument to
0: make good work. So for most of your artistic career, you've just used pencil and ink for most of your designs, and then you yeah. also do like paintings and stuff but yeah yeah
1: yeah, I do paintings, but all the design stuff is um, pen and ink. And uh, actually, here's a, the shirt you're wearing right now. There's the tree. There's the text, and then there's the wall.
0: Yep. And
1: I couldn't find the skeleton dude. So this is the coolest part. And I can't find it, but um.
0: And then you just piece them together.
1: Yeah, scan them in and then piece them together and. Um, and I could just sit there and I didn't have to draw this whole wall. But for composition to be safe, I draw the whole thing and then I can shrink or, you know.
0: So you create the elements by hand and then you combine them together in Photoshop. Correct. So that's cool. Um, And I learned that with 4x4 because,
1: yeah, there were a few, I made a few mistakes. So that was the easiest way to avoid making mistakes is just to spend a little extra time.
0: Oh, I had to do, I remember with the 4x4 graphics, <laughs> back with the printers back then like i had to separate all the colors for the screen printers so i had to you know with the wheels and the and the shirts like you would send me the art and then i'd have to go back and like separate all the colors to make for each uh-huh. screen it was a big yeah. pain in the ass
1: <laughs> yeah sorry about that God. yeah no shit. and that's before i figured out uh distressing so that would have been a nightmare if i would have been doing that on top of
0: it yeah for sure uh and yeah, then the
1: learning process.
0: I learned a lot from you know, we learned together during that period off of yeah. your artwork.
1: Yeah, because it was <laughs> it was such a shitstorm of uh not understanding the you know, how the the process of the manufacturing and the printing went.
0: Um, you know, as far as you make your living off your art, so <laughs> to work by hand like that does take a lot of time. And I know we talked about it when I was in columbus last time and i was like why don't you just get like a tablet and start using procreate yeah and you did you got that eventually right how's that been working out for you
1: uh i'll be able to release my first project here hopefully in the next couple weeks you'll see it's it's uh it's making a difference and it's a lot it's a lot easier um but the style's still there but the hand isn't physically, you know? So that's, um, so I'm still gonna be doing pen and ink and um, scanning it or actually shooting it with the iPad is uh, works better than the scanner that I have. So I'm just doing that. And um, actually there's something else coming out in a couple of weeks um, with Chroma that I'm probably one of my favorite things I've ever designed. Uh, as far as the whole layout, then that that's been another cool one um, completely, but uh, it's going pen and ink still because I don't know the that's why I never liked using Illustrator. It, it just seems to take the hand out. you know the, the I don't know, I like all those skips and shit that the pen makes, you know, or the little mistakes because you can't, for example, the font on the shirt you're wearing, I'll take that, a font and I'll put it up in Photoshop and I'll trace it. And just adding one more element to it, that's why it's all kind of a little bit off is because it's your first try trace with a pen, no penciling and just doing that. My hand is in it, you know, and it goes with the textures of the trees and the bricks and everything, you know, and it makes it a solid piece. Cause if that, if that font was to, um, too clean it would look weird i think it just doesn't it just doesn't even out
0: so you're going to be doing pen and ink for certain projects and then procreate for other projects it seems like mm-hmm. you know definitely help your workflow using procreate yeah. and in um, procreate can you can you bring in your hand sketches and then work on those that thing
1: it's so oddly intuitive okay so well, we'll get into the great the computer crash of last year, but um, uh, but um, everyone's used to Amazon now, you know, and and that, that sort of standard and and things being instant. Um, the amount of time it takes me to do something by uh, hands obviously takes longer. But then there are people that'll have procreate and just trace something. So, and some people can't tell the difference. So they're just like, I wanted this thing of Batman. And somebody takes the thing of Batman, something a still from the movie and they trace it and procreate. You can do that on Illustrator, like Shepard Fairy stuff where he would trace the photographs, but it would be, you know, he would do it in a way that, or he does it in a way that it's broken up and you can tell that it's, you know, Shepard Fairy style but it's traced in Illustrator. Um, but at least there's his style to it. And uh, that was very popular. And we had that whole thing for a while of everybody trying to do a Shepherd Fairyish ish sort of thing. Um, but um, sometimes people are just like, I just want this thing. And they can't tell the difference between it being hand done and traced. But then when they see the final result, usually they're happy because it, you know, you hired an artist to do something for a reason and they should be present in the work, in my opinion. Um, But I've also worked for companies that, you know, they don't care. And they're, you know, they make stuff for Kohl's Walmart up to, you know, runway stuff. And they, they really, it doesn't matter to them because it's the company um, and they're going to be supported. But if it's a smaller company, I don't know. When you just kind of trace something that takes out the idea of being independent, you know, and just kind of, whatever but people expect things to be done in an instant and i have to explain to them it's like man this is all hand done like you're getting a deal on this usually too so i don't know um but i don't know man it's it's just another element to the business now that uh and i finally got an ipad and i've figured out what people are doing with it and um now i'm taking my my thing into that and you'll see where it's going. Yeah, that's uh, really exciting. Po- yeah, it's, it's really cool to be able to use something new like that. Um, yeah, and, and to answer your question with the hand-drawn thing, you can, you can put it in the cloud or whatever and just open it up on the iPad, but I didn't know that it was intuitive to the level that I can actually take pictures of my line drawings and just start coloring them in, like fill so the actual lines are caught and the program procreate picks it up and I can just hit like a paint bucket and fill in my actual drawing without tracing it on the computer I'm like what the fuck it's all new to me I need to get that that
0: sounds amazing
1: I I used the same computer for the past 20 years and it finally just crashed um last year and that's I lost um I lost a bunch of projects and um I was able to get most of them retrieved but i lost all the cat the this or last year's cast was stuff i lost a bunch of stuff but um so getting an ipad and stepping into the you know modern times i'm not exactly a fan but uh uh mm-hmm. using this as a tool is really it's really cool so to get on to get on board and everything it's it's uh yeah, it's definitely a, a cool thing. You should get one and mess around with it. I'm sure you'd be able to make some cool shit.
0: Yeah, I want to. Um, so you do a lot of work, obviously, in Blading for the past 20 years. But you have a lot of clients outside of Blading. Now you've done like record albums and you know all sorts of stuff. How do you get your name out? How are people finding you? Like-
1: um, I, I didn't, I think you know, I didn't have a cell phone for like five years or maybe maybe 3 years i don't know
0: i know it was um, impossible to get a hold of you for a long time
1: yeah 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 um i kind of got i kind of got sick of uh, doing art i needed a break from doing art and um and from constant you know pressure to be available so um i was just using my email and facebook or whatever but i just post stuff on that and people would hit me up but if there's um, if there's somebody that you you know this is just some advice um, if there's somebody that you want to work with um, hit them up you know just write them and go would you be interested in working together you know don't uh, you know don't be afraid to be shut down you know I'd say my ratio on selling a painting. Um, It it works. I've been doing the graphic stuff for so long that it's, I, I'm established enough with that stuff that people will contact me or whatever, but with painting, there's a lot more. um, It's, it's more difficult. So I'd say my ratio with selling a painting is, you know, I don't have these gigantic openings or anything um, at galleries, but I'd say maybe one in a hundred people might buy a painting or at least be interested. So kind of take that, that's being realistic, you know, don't just think everyone's gonna, don't be so desperate for validation with it and don't, you know, listen to critics. You gotta uh, be up to your own standards and never stop, you know, never stop learning or having an open mind to do something. and push yourself, you know, don't just stop, don't be stagnant and do the same thing over and over again. But, um, yeah, if you want to work with somebody, just hit them up and, uh, even take the time to make something that they might like, uh, don't put their name on it or anything like that. Just kind of maybe explain, Hey, this is what I do. It might not even be, but, um, that might open some doors for you because, um, The whole art thing is a hustle, man. Unless you're a rich kid, you have to hustle. You know, So you have to make opportunities to get in where you can make some money. Um, You don't have to lie or cheat anybody or anything like that. You just gotta show up places and make sure
0: people remember you. Probably in a good
1: way would be good, but I don't know. Infamy has also worked for me as well. So either option.
0: You've been cheated yourself with people poaching some of your artwork and copying it, right? wait what was that i said your artwork you've been cheated yourself by people kind of copying your artwork and selling it oh yeah uh poaching it without your permission how what's happened with that like (laughs) how, how often has it happened um
1: that's happened a few times um it's happened a few times and um i've been lucky enough to have people that uh have hit me up when they see it and um like yo, heads up! This dude's stealing your stuff. <laughs> um, but that's that's happened on Etsy and stuff like that. Or I don't really mind that. But if you're gonna do something like that, at least give the person credit, you know, or or ask them. Ideally, ask them. But um, you're familiar with the situation with the four by four reissues. That's kind of another reason I wanted to get around to doing that. Um, Yeah, somebody wanted to uh, steal that work and start reissuing them. And they had hit you up and uh, asked you for the artwork. And the week prior to them asking you, they wanted me to come on their show and do a fucking interview. The balls, yeah. So instead of asking me directly, they asked you and they said they were gonna split the money with you. And thankfully to you, thank you, uh, that you let me know that that was going to happen. So I was like, well, it looks like I'm doing the reissues. So um, thank you to that person uh, for getting the ball rolling on this. What an asshole. I can't believe that, man. It's just ridiculous.
0: Well, I'm really glad that you stepped up to make those graphics because it's pretty cool to see them again.
1: Yeah, it's... um, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, this bought them, but each one I hide a, an initial in it. So I hand initial each one and um, uh, hand pack each one, all that stuff is me. And then um, like I said, I'll throw in random art to people. And um, I don't know if anybody's noticed though. it's, it's weird. I, I'm wondering how many of the packages got opened up, the shirt pulled out and the art just thrown away. It's cause I don't say any, I don't tell anybody. So it's my own fault. But um, uh, yeah, it's really cool to see the response to it and um, everything's been positive. Um, and, you know, it's not just kind of, it's cool to see them come out and printed the way that they were intended to be. That makes, that's really satisfying for me because it's always that, you know, I'd see the shirt and I'm like, damn it, they screwed the color up, man. They really, ah, this is wrong. Or, um, so it's cool to put that out and sort of, uh, Uh, exercise that ghost you know or ghosts of of different shirts so it's it's really cool um so yeah i'm just going to keep doing it until the shirts run out and i don't know some people i'm i still get hit up by people that um like i didn't know this was going on can i still get this shirt and i'm like sorry man, i just do pre orders because i can't you know i can't do full inventory i don't have the space for that Um, so that's why the pre-orders is so people get exactly what size there is and then they get the shirt and i'm not sitting on boxes and boxes of t-shirts like i kind of already am with uh caspa stuff or whatever you know i can't handle that kind of people don't understand that i'm just one person they think i'm like a company with a warehouse and stuff and it's like no, oh, man i'm a, I'm one guy in a room you know doing this stuff and. Um, you know, but uh that doesn't really exist that much anymore. So I can under- understand why they don't understand that.
0: Well with the four by four shirts, I sent you a lot of the original artwork for those that you had sent Correct. us. Correct. Because I archived things. <laughs> I like to archive things and keep yeah. them. Um but I know that there's still a few shirts that aren't there that you know that I sent you. I didn't have like there's definitely a couple that got lost to files. Yeah. That I've seen on people, okay. and I'm like, oh, I totally forgot that shirt came out. I yeah, don't right. have the artwork for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you have another second. I'll grab something. Everyone.
0: So, yeah.
1: There you go. That's,
0: that's all, all your graphics. Four-
1: no, that's all the four by four stuff. Nice. Plus other yeah, skating graphics, but. There's a castle on
0: here's a whole folder. Um, Do you still have a, a CD ROM drive? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, this one's this one's the,
1: the whole Sandman line, man. That was cool. I forgot that we did that, That we, um, oh, my God, 4x4 08. Nice four by four oh eight b i don't even know what's on this ship, but it's everything so um but yeah i like uh that we did those series where the each line was named and everything and
0: that was really really awesome that was the
1: cool thing about working with you guys was that you know you guys had the i'm like man i have an idea and you're like yeah you know we all work together really well and um yeah everybody did their job with uh um making sure everything came out and it was organized and uh I've worked with some projects in the past that failed due to poor management and pretty much team leadership um where the it's good to have this everybody needs to work together you know and everybody has to understand that things have to come out and and um but uh with you guys it was you know, there was leadership with the team. And it was uh I would ask John, hey, um if you talk to whoever, if you talk to Brian, um, is there anything that he likes right now or music, anything and um that he would want kind of represented on his wheel? And John or you would tell me and I would design something from that. If it didn't work, redo it until it worked, and then that was the design. Um, so there was uh, That good um, leadership there with some projects I've worked on that have one in particular that I'm really disappointed that failed in the past um, was that, you know, people out of sight, out of mind, you know, basically, and uh, people will ask for one thing, I'll work really hard and do it. Then they'll go, "Ah, can we do something else? And it's not that it didn't work. It's now that they've hung out with somebody else, their personality or however they want to describe themselves or represent themselves has changed within a week. And it's like, well, can we do that on the next line? Because we have this thing done and we're ready to come out and print all this stuff. And they're like, there's no, there's nobody going, no, this is what's done, it has to come out. We can use that idea for the next line. You know, Let's make money so we can make more product and you get paid, everybody wins here, but um, you know, the prima donna aspect has definitely uh, sunk a few projects. Um, but that was one of the great things about 4x4 was open communication with all the riders. Um, everybody respected you guys, and uh, John worked directly with each person and then uh, gave that information to me and everything just, you know, we pounded up to make that many just shirts for a skate company. That's pretty nuts so I think that's a pretty good uh pretty good representation and each wheel was different you know everything was uh, that's a pretty good um you know example of how well that company was run as far as uh, creative department with everything especially well
0: thank you I think we did about two lines a year with you if I'm correct maybe three um and each line had like seven shirts and you know five wheels or something like that so we made, you know, I see today a lot of wheel brands they only released one wheel from a skater, you know, and then like yeah. the next wheels like you know, we did like had multiple lines every year for everybody. Yeah, and man. With the the t-shirts, we had, you know, not all the four by four shirts you did, you know, some of them were designed by Chris Peel uh, yeah, yeah, earlier on and stuff. And like, you know, the four by four logo that he did was also released throughout the years. And Chris is one I just
1: want to say Chris is one of my favorite artists in skating. Ever, and the, that he commented on the interview, I was like, whoa, Chris Peel. So that was cool. So just want to say that real quick.
0: So, yeah, for Chris Peel, if you're not familiar with him, he's a rolling artist, worked with us on branding. He basically branded 4x4, Vicious, Nim. He worked for Daily Bread, did the big wheel blading graphic that I have. Mm. And, you know, he's a really cool guy. And episode one of the Dun and Now Blading. Podcast is with Chris Peel. So you can go back and listen to the interview I did with him.
1: Um I highly recommend that. Chris is Chris is awesome.
0: Yeah. Chris is a good, solid dude. And with the shirts, you know, we didn't make a lot of shirts. And I know, you know, I mean, we made a ridiculous amount of shirts. So we also had vicious, you know, we did tons of vicious shirts. Yeah, and right. we did and we did ground control apparel, tons yeah. of shirts, you know. And that was all Chris Peel, me and Chris Peel did all the ground control shirts. Yeah. And and uh know it was a lot we did a lot of shirts so we didn't do a lot of every shirt like with your shirts for instance maybe like two graphics in the line would have a couple hundred shirts but most of them would be just 72 shirts and that's it you know so it's like that's why a lot of them are so rare you don't see them because there was only like 72 of them ever made you know because there were so many shirts yeah right and which is cool because i mean like I said, to this day, there's shirts. I'm like, I don't even remember that shirt coming out. You know, obviously, yeah, like, you know, I got them printed and I folded them and stuck them in bags and stuff. And yeah, yeah. You know, but <laughs> you know, and then I wanted to get into like the the contract. So a contract was done with you oh, and John yeah. Elliott. Oh
1: shit. And yeah, this yeah. contract
0: was done in blood. Like, tell me how did this happen? Like, what was a uh, contract? And and was your contract? Do you think you're looking back like? Do you think your contract was fair? You know, we did yeah, pay a frat and royalties on every will, but-
1: Yeah, I, I lived off of the royalties from you guys for a long time. And at the time, well, it, it wasn't too difficult t- difficult to live off of those royalties. I uh, moved into an art studio and it was just like a concrete room and uh, I just slept on a futon and painted all day um, towards the end. Of four by four. So, uh, but I was able to just kind of travel around the country when I wanted. And um, just from the, the amount of shirts and wheels and everything, and the royalties were, um, especially at that time for me, more than fair. Um, and uh, I think I had mentioned to John that I wanted a contract, and um, uh, we kind of went back and forth. And then he wrote something up, and um, then we were at. Was it his house (sighs) that it wasn't the North park, the the first house I'd go to
0: that was your place. It was the house. I think it was his house behind like another house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, he had that, I remember he had that goddamn memory foam bed. That's where I learned. I hate those things. Um, So I had to to go do shit. I was like, he's like, here, crash here, man. I think I was sleeping on the floor or something. It was drunk. And, um, but he had uh, like vintage glassware for booze. And we're just hanging out. We're talking about the, and he printed something up. He might've done it that night. I can't remember. So it was some template and he filled in numbers or it was just general. And um, we're just like, fuck yeah, and we're drinking. Uh, it was signed over Gentleman Jack. So he had a bottle of gentleman jack and we were just drinking that and then um yeah we cut our hands open and took the blood and fucking signed the contract i might have punched myself in the face actually and split. i think that lap. sounds
0: about right yeah, th- <laughs> for you in that period in san diego yeah, I,
1: I think that's what i did was uh, yeah i punched myself in the face and i uh spit the blood into uh or onto paper and then signed it from there yeah, that was and John I think John cut his hand open. But uh yeah, that thing was signed in in blood for real.
0: Yeah. So the royalties we did, you know, you got every for every shirt sold in every wheel you got royalty and I think like I don't think any other brand paid an artist royalties at that no. period, you know, or yeah. I don't even know if that's happens, you know, with you with other brands, I don't know. But,
1: uh Florence does with Chroma does that.
0: Okay, so it's similar yeah. similar yeah. um but yeah, I mean, that's 20 years later.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else. um, Some people have asked for work and um, they, you know, they're not really, it's odd. They're not really open for negotiation. They're talking to me as though um, I'm in a cubicle and they're trying to pay me eight to $10 an hour, basically um, for full illustrations. I'm like, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And, um, Uh, well I tend not to deal with those people because it's just but then they they don't even want to pay so let alone pay royalties you know and especially um you know they're like hey kid isn't this your dream to work for a rollerblading company it's like dude what (laughs) why did you get a hold of me do you know I hate saying like do you know who I am but just like the I've been working in this industry for so long I've been doing stuff no I'm not some kid that is excited to just work for a rollerblading brand you know Um, And kind of on that, um, I don't know, we, there's been some really cool stuff coming out, but uh, in the past few years, it's great. It's really cool. It's really cool stuff and and people working with uh, actual artists. And um, I think the first time I noticed that was um, shit. What was the name of that brand? um where they had Steve the dog I think
0: oh Shredweiser
1: Shredweiser yeah, yeah that Shredweiser's
0: artist, cool that,
1: yeah that artist did some really cool stuff it, it's cool to see it shift over into art and culture instead of just graphics for money you know like you have to put the logo here and that's it and that's a shirt you know and I don't know so we don't really have that's been a hard thing with with rollerblading is that um it's been kind of difficult to or that we don't seem to have a culture as much you know i don't know as, as some other things do you know? right
0: i mean it's like pockets of culture almost
1: exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's little pockets um but you know it's it, another thing is the physical aspect of what skating is we don't really have a place for it either you know so like you would in skateboarding for example where the decks are hanging on the wall and there's art on each thing all's we really have as far as something that is used as a product outside of uh, soft goods would be wheels so i think four by four really kind of set the standard with that um, of putting art on on a, an actual skateable thing you know so um i think that's kind of our area for it. you can't really put graphics on the skate you know you can there's what one frame company that you can slide art into the frame you know but it, it's really hard to do that you know unless you do you know it'd be very expensive to do that what's well, it's
0: changed uh, a little bit you know with mesmer how they did the soul plates you know using chase rushing which is really cool
1: yeah chase rules, man yeah i like chase a lot his that stuff is really cool
0: has mesmer contacted you at all about doing anything for them Oh uh, no,
1: no, I haven't heard anything yet, or if I will, I don't know. But um, I really like what they're doing with it. It's it's uh, they have a tight um image right off the bat. I, mm-hmm. I dig that.
0: So, yeah, I, and, I feel like your style would fit in with uh, what they're doing, but it also people, seems like there's a people, lot of you know a lot of the guys are artists themselves. So that, you know you got Dominic and and Mark, you know, right? So you have a lot of art in there already, but still, yeah, that's
1: cool as hell to see. And you can see you can see it with how they've branded the company. You know it's um, th- there's definitely a, a branded template there, which I dig. It's not just, and especially for um, for a small boot company like that's just a really cool thing because it's it's specific. You know, it's not just a general, I- I'm sure all are welcome, but it's not for everybody. it's not trying to appeal everybody or appeal to everybody, you know, it's, I I dig that. That's, it takes guts to do that. And I I really appreciate seeing that, uh, especially from a boot company, you know? So it's cool to see the uh, industry get to that level where we can have a boot company that has, you know, somebody looks at a boot company and they're like, I want to buy this because of the feel of the company, not just how the skate looks, you know, and the skate, and then on top of it, the skate looks great and chases aren't on it is great so um yeah it's really cool to see that definitely
0: i'm really impressed by Besmer, and i think you know like you know t-shirts for instance the market for t-shirts has been on decline over the years and the demand for their shirts it seems like you know they already sold out right away like oh nice yeah, I, I ordered one you know they're awesome yeah so it's cool to see that and just everything you know so much promotion having a video done before the company came out they did so much right yeah like, yeah big, absolutely big uh Kudos to those guys killing it. Yeah, it's great. That's a wrap with part one of the Jeremy Beytal interview. Part two will continue very soon. Make sure and subscribe to this channel and hit the bell icon to be notified when I upload that to this channel. And if you did like part one, make sure and hit the like button. And if you want to support this channel, I have a link to my Patreon page in the description below, as well as a link to my donation page. Thank you so much for watching part one of episode 20 of the Den and Outblading podcast featuring Jeremy beta